0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. You know, the other day I was um, thinking about this one person, is a, it's a younger guy, it's sort of an older student, and so I... Um, I don't know if you sometimes are around people that, become, that are very negative. Some people are just like they are negative people, you know. And so, so I was quite intentional. So I decided, okay, I'm going to take him for a walk and then um, we're going to climb the mountain. And then I know that halfway through he's going to moan off of the way. So I decided when we got into the car, I decided I'm going to just start to give thanks. And that's, that's what I did. I just said like, wow, look at these amazing mountains. Wow. Yo, we must thank the Lord for this. Wow. You know, just, you know, and, um, and I saw this guy was uncomfortable because I didn't give him an opportunity to moan, yeah. And And um, eventually when we we're halfway onto the mountain, this guy just got into the slipstream and he says like, yo, we must be thankful for mountains. The free state people don't they have mountains. They have a little hill. Sorry, free state people, but, but, you yeah. know, and so I was thinking like, it's contagious when you worship, when you're thankful, isn't it so, eh? But when you're around negative people, it's like, yo, 10 minutes into the conversation, and you feel like the world is falling apart, the economy is falling apart, everything is crushed, everything is, you know, um, so I'm a natural, more motivator or encourager. And I know sometimes for people that are more teacher-orientated or prophetic-orientated can so sometimes zoom into the situation that they can't really see, you know, the bigger picture. But um, it's, it's so beautiful to be part of uh, the body of Christ, which, um, where we need each other, even with different giftings. And so we've been talking about uh, first checking your passport, and now we're talking about using your passport. You know? um, and so uh, what, what is, why are you saved? Why have you got a relationship with the Lord? And I think it's challenging for us, especially for the church in the West. And I'm just the last couple of months just telling people, look here, we can, we need to, especially for the church in the West, we need to go and learn a bit from the church in the East and the Middle East, especially the persecuted church. You know, there's too much stuff online, get a sermon and get a fancy Porsche with it or something like that, you know, but there's, there's so much from the Western church that is cultural and not necessarily Christian and biblical. And so it's so important that we separate cultural Christianity. And you could see that, for instance, in the American elections, you know, a lot of, um, and I'm going to say it with respect, but a lot of Christians that, are, that I know that are there, you know, were, was treating uh, Donald Trump as if he's the savior, as if, as if, you know, if he's not there, then Jesus will fall from his throne. And, and it, I thought like, whoa, you know, um, uh, nothing against anybody saying anything, but it's just so important that we realize Jesus is still on his throne. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and, um, and so the question that we have and, and the, the way we live, and that's what we're talking about. These two words I want you to remember and that we've been we're talking about is urgency and intentionality. Okay? Urgency and intentionality. And this is what we're talking about a little bit. So we looked at those beautiful pictures of the passports and then two weeks ago we spoke about this and George also, Pastor George continued on Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read it just quickly for you again, Luke chapter 10 verse 1 to 12, after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, he appointed them and he sent them, he sent them in a specific way, two by two, because they needed to agree and cover each other, before his face, talks about Intimacy. In every city and place where he himself was about to go, there's 10 sermons just in that first verse. Jesus is not looking for you to work for him. He wants to co-labor. He wants us to work with him. That's why he sent them only to the places where he was going to follow up the ministry. And so it's a beautiful picture of ordinary people that were not qualified. They didn't have the CVs. They were not the chosen, greatest, whatever. They were just ordinary people that said, We're willing to follow you. We're willing to follow you and we know that there's going to be a lot of change, a lot of scary moments, a lot of places that you're going to take us to that's going to be out of our comfort. And uh, so, you know, God is not primarily interested in our comfort. He's not, you know, and I think I said it a couple of weeks ago that most of the praise of the church in the West goes towards comfort. Lord, please help me with this so that I can have a better life. While most of the prayers of the church in the Middle East goes to, Lord, send more persecution so that we can become more holy. Completely different focus, you know. And so I want to encourage you to not pray for persecution. Please don't. And especially not for your pastor, you know. (laughs) I remember um, going to Iran this time, and I think I've told this story before, and this. This lady that we've got still good relationship with her and her husband. So she's talking about her pastor and that just went to jail three weeks before we were there. Because they normally the pastor is at least three years. That's your theological training is if you are in jail for three years, then you qualify to preach. And so he just gone to jail, I think the second time. And, um, and so now I'm trying to be sympathetic and empathetic, have empathy with the situation. Think like, wow, you know sure, this must be tough for you that your pastor is in jail now and all that stuff. And, um, and then she said, no, no, we've, we've realized that he was starting to preach a watered-down gospel, and so he needs some purification, so it's good that he's in jail. And I'm thinking like, lady, I'm not going to let you pray for me. <laughs> I'm, just thinking, I'm just taking two steps back and say, no, lay hands on that one, lay hands on that one, please don't pray for me. <laughs> because I, sometimes we... We lose the power of the gospel if we don't preach the right gospel. know, yeah? If your gospel has no repentance and no fear of God in it, then it's not the gospel. Uh, we, we get a motivational gospel, and, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with motivating people and encouraging people, but if you and I are the center of that gospel, it's not the gospel. The gospel has never been designed for you and me to be on a throne or to have attraction or the focus is not on us it's on the glory of God on who God is and God is raising up a generation that is beginning to realize that we're dissatisfied with the things of the world and we say Lord sure the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few and this is what verse 2 says therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest go your way behold I send you as lambs among wolves wow what a mission I send you as lambs innocent pure people And it's a scary world that I'm sending you into. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. And that's where we got stuck a little bit. It says, when you go, be focused. Be intentional. Be urgent about the mission. Not driven or not striving. That's not what we're saying. But for each one of us, there's a a space God wants you to... To operate in. There's a, there's a place that the body of Christ needs you to function in. And that's why we, we as the church, we believe especially yeah, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Yeah, We say, everyone must do the work of the ministry. Turn to your neighbor and say, everyone in this church must do the work of the ministry. And that means maybe I was... Uh, Sitting with a couple, they've got their third child Ye- yesterday at a wedding or last night and we were chatting and they've, they've they are in church for a long time already and, um, and they were very really involved in church and now they have three small children and I say like, hey, don't worry, don't try and be involved in church because your ministry is now your children for <laughs> two or three years or four or five years, you know. You can't sleep properly, but now every all the focus goes on into those children. Now you need to disciple them. You need to get them um, to the Lord and bring them to church, even if they yeah, and even if they scream, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but each one we're doing ministry. So moms, especially, you know, don't ever think, or dads, don't think like, hey, that's that's just something you do on the side. It's everything we do is ministry unto God. Everything your work is worship. And we live in a dualistic society that says, hey, today I'm going to be spiritual, but tomorrow morning I'm not a Christian anymore, or I can't speak about God anymore, or I can't pray for anyone. But tomorrow you must be more a Christian than today. Okay? And so Jesus sends them into this place and he says, but the biggest challenge for you in your life will be distraction. He says, because, hey, there's nothing wrong about greeting people along the road, (laughs) Where's all the FOMO people, you know, you don't want to miss out. Raise your hand very high, okay? Raise it very high, you know? You like, you're an extrovert, you you just can't miss an opportunity, you know, you want to greet everyone, you know, when your wife sends you to the shopping mall with three things you need to buy, you've greeted 20 people and you come back with 10 things, but it's just one of those three things that she's told you to come back with, okay? You get distracted easily, but all of us, we get sometimes distracted just with the things of this world sometimes in our relationships we're not intentional and so verse 5 it says but whatever house you enter first say peace to this house and if a son of peace is there your peace will rest on it and if not it will return to you and remain in the same house eating and drinking such things as they give for the labor is worthy of his wages do not go from house to house don't just go around just, don't just fall there's a purpose there's a focus he says as he sends them he says be intentional be urgent about where you go, what house you go to. Leave your peace there. You have a blessing to leave there. If they don't receive you, then shake off the dust. But don't just go through life like Mr. Bean. That's basically what he says. And remain in the same house, you know. But at whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as I said set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Wow. <laughs> now these people would not, Spirit-filled, and they've, they haven't received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit was def, definitely there. Pentecost hasn't happened in that sense yet, but hey, let's not be technical about that. The fact is the fruit happened. God sent the word over their lives, and he says, go. You know. And so if, if we are intentional people and urgent people, again, I'm going to say we're not driven, and we're not striving. We're not into dead works. Because a lot of people say, just be more busy. But it's not about busyness, it's about your focus. And it starts in your heart. It starts with the passion in your heart. And so eventually, uh, we saw this, and I'm not going to repeat it again, but from verse 17 on, these 70 return, and the Lord rejoices. And they rejoice because of deliverance and all the things that happen. And then Jesus says, don't rejoice because of this, but rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice in your salvation and for me, this is the barometer for your Christian life is whether you have the joy of your salvation, whether it's fresh. What do you think when you think about the cross, when you think about God? If we lose focus on the cross and the simplicity of Jesus, we are in trouble because then we get into religion. Then we sort of like, oh, my doctrines are more important or my experience becomes more important than the simplicity of Christ. And um, we, a couple of weeks ago, we went up to Live Village there with the founder, Tish, that started him and his wife. Um, I just love simplistic people because they just said, hey, God looked in the earth and he could find nobody to do such a foolish job. And so we just said, "Yeah, we are, pick us. <laughs> yeah? But the amazing time is we probably spend an hour with him or an hour and a half the one morning every time. He just talks about Jesus or the cross. He begins to weep, and I'm thinking, like, Lord, I, I want to be like that when I'm old, and never lose focus of the joy of my salvation. Never, 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 just think like when somebody commits their life to Christ. That oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's just oh, you know, that's just what happens in the church. It's the greatest miracle is not a healing, but is when one soul turns to Christ. Can I get an amen? <laughs> It's the greatest miracle. It's the only direct response of something that happens on the earth in heaven. When the angels stop and there's a massive applause. One soul has stepped into eternity. But we we lose focus of that because we become professional Christians. Okay, if you think that was tough, here we go. Matthew 25, today's (laughs) sermon. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. All ten were born again Christians. All ten went out to meet the bridegroom. It's not talking about the world. It's talking about the church. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, three of them slumbered and started to sleep. Now the foolish ones slumbered and fell asleep. Now all ten of them fell asleep. All ten, not just half, not the ones with the lamps. All ten. <laughs> fell asleep <laughs> and at midnight a cry was heard behold the bridegroom is coming go out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps lamps talks about your ministry talks about light to other people talks about uh, the way purpose things things uh, <clears throat> on the outside to bring light to the world and the foolish said to the wise give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the wise answered saying no lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. They're not saying Jesus, they're actually calling him Lord, did you see that? (laughs) Lord, Lord, please open to us. You know, we we just got distracted, we... Didn't prepare well enough. We were not urgent. We were not intentional about our relationship and intimacy with you. We just got, we just fell into this nice Christianity thing. But he answered and said, assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. And then comes the big thing. Watch therefore For you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Not one of us sitting in this room knows when Jesus is coming back. And he talks about the hour. If you go read the the Gospel of John, I think it's about eight times where Scripture talks about where Jesus says, And for this hour I came into this world. It is not my hour. Jesus lived his whole life, 33 years on earth for one hour, and he was very urgent, he was very intentional about what he was doing. Go read it, go Google it. I'm going to talk a bit about it tonight, being led by the Holy Spirit and the urgency of, of following the Lord. And so here we get this story and all of us think like, oh, yeah. But um, if you want to feel a bit dispri- this depressed and a bit discouraged, go and read Matthew 24 and 25. Okay, And so it's right in the center of these two chapters that talks about the end times. So in context, it, the, the scripture actually becomes more serious and more challenging. You, you can just go to the next slide. I'm going to try and make it very short this morning because there's 20 sermons in, in there. But, but Jesus talks about earthquakes and famines and a lot of things. And he says the end of the, the world uh, in Matthew 24... um, at the end he says, and this gospel shall be preached in all the world and then the end shall come. Powerful things that he says. You know that there's more earthquakes recorded in the last 50 to 60 years than in all of history together. So if you ever thought that we are not in the end times, I tell you, (laughs) the signs Jesus spoke about, earthquake, famines, wars, rumors of wars, we are in the last of the last days. (laughs) So if, if you and I may think that Jesus cannot come back tonight, then I've got news for you. One of the greatest prophecies that was fulfilled in Scripture was the restoration of the nation of Israel. And that already happened in 1948. When nation of Israel, according to prophecy, was formed in one day. That's what happened. When all of the Jews would come back, The different tribes would come back. Apparently, there's only one tribe that still needs to go back to Israel. And then this gospel will be preached in all the kingdom, and all the nations, the ethnical groups. So, hey, we can advance the kingdom of God and the coming of Christ by preaching the gospel. That's why we go to the uttermost ends of the earth. That's why we go and preach the gospel, because God has called us to be laborers with him. But there are four parables in this story, and I, I'm not going to go into all of them, but Jesus starts sort of, it's not parables, it's sort of stories in Matthew 24, and we jump into Matthew 25 where we read about the virgins, and the first one is about the fig tree. It says, when the fig tree blossom, when the seasons begin to change, talks about a discernment, an ability to see, say discernment. Discernment is the ability to see, you know, to, the ability to recognize but if you are asleep or if you are slumbering, then you cannot see. And so, so Jesus says when you begin to see the, the fig tree and all these things that's beginning to happen, you need, a, you need to pay attention. You need to wake up. I don't know if you've, some of you have um, got somebody sending a conspiracy theory thing to you the past couple of months. Raise your hand if somebody sends like this. This is the end. You know, people are like, oh, you know. Please don't send them to me. I'm going to block you. But in any case, you know, we obviously don't respond in fear because this is the challenge when we talk about end time things or we read through the book of Revelations. A lot of people just like fear, fear, fear. But we as Christians never respond to fear because we know God has got a plan. And when we adhere to that plan, hey, we will have the joy, the hope, the peace of God. So he talks about the fig tree. The second thing he talks about is, and you must, this is homework, I, I don't have time, I have 25 minutes. But go and study these four things that Jesus speaks about. The second thing is the servant leader, sort of the uh, uh, a slave that has other slaves. And then he sort of throws these two people against each other. The one group that remained faithful in their hearts and remained having a soft heart. And the others became bitter, became discouraged depressed one of the signs of the end times would be that there will be a lot of discouragement and depression you know depression is one of our greatest sicknesses in the western world heaviness people that can't sleep properly people that feel a heaviness and if you yield to those things and you become bitter in your heart towards God or towards his church and offense he actually talks about that as well It's sort of almost there's a separation between these two groups that will happen in the end times. Because these four uh, parables or little stories or analogies, they all talk about the church. They don't talk about the world and they talk about what's going to happen in the church in the end times. Offense and deception will be some of the greatest tools that the devil will use. And then we see the wise and the foolish virgins and then the last one is the talents, the story of the talents. And the story of the talents isn't like, oh, okay, you received one and you received two, but it's all about perception. The story of the talents is about a guy who had one talent and he sort of hids the talent because he says, I feared you to be somebody who reaps where you have not sown. And because of the wrong perception that that servant had of his master, he responded in a certain way. And this is like, a, just took the one talent and what you had, use it. But because of perception, because of our background sometimes, we use excuses. You know, Moses used excuses. He said, oh Lord, no, I can't speak. No, Lord. And then the Lord gives the one miracle after the other. You know? And eventually he says, I'll raise up Aaron next to you. But Moses, stop making excuses. Because excuses will not qualify you when God asks you and me, what, what life did we live? To please him, And so this morning is, a, is an invitation, but a massive challenge because Matthew 25, when he talks about these virgins, like I said, both of these groups were waiting for the bridegroom, but both of these groups fell asleep. They started to slumber because they got distracted, they got tired, they got discouraged. There's a lot of things and it's not, it's just part of life. Part of life is that you and I are human, that we have a human nature and that, you know, like last night, I was there on the other side of Tolbach for a wedding and I knew that I can't go till one o'clock at this wedding because this morning I had to drive back all the way to be uh, at church to experience all the lovely people here. yeah, you know? And so, so you, you, you know, if, you, if you're tired, and I remember one day driving from Stanford after a wedding, I won't do that again, don't worry, you know, and so I'm driving from the other side of Stanford in the Saturday evening and then when you're driving and suddenly you you realize you've driven to the other side of the road, you've almost fallen asleep, you know, and the car went to the other side and I just like, just woke up, you know, but but in your head you say, I won't fall asleep, There's, there's just no way, you know. You, you just think, like, I can make it. You know, I drank three coffees, five Cokes, you know, seven Super Boosters, you know, whatever. But I remember that moment it was quite a wake-up call when you fall, when, when you know, because you, you don't think, you know, and there's a lot of accidents here in Langsburg, those long roads where people just, like, why? Because you keep on going, and you keep on going, but maybe you lose a bit of hope. Maybe you just, like, it's the same old, same old So it's talking about Christians in a natural environment, waiting for this bridegroom to come. But they slowly start to fall asleep. The question is that I have for each one of you, what makes you fall asleep spiritually? And the church in the West, unfortunately today, have fallen asleep a little bit. Because you can look at the church's prayer life. Your prayer life will show you how awake you are spiritually before God. Because, you know, I can stand here, jump up and down, be excited, but your prayer life and your disciplined life with God will determine, will show. It's a barometer how you're connected with God and with the Holy Spirit. And so this oil represents uh, the working of the Holy Spirit, but the intimacy with God, that, that place, that intentionality, that urgency to let your main thing be your main thing, to be able to focus, because these, this other group, also were, they were also there. They also had a desire for the bridegroom, and then life came, and then late hours came, <laughs> and they all fell asleep. And that's why especially we must pray for watchmen and intercessors to rise up in this time. The prophetic voice of God in our nation. Because there's a a big silence in the church in the West. And what does a watchman do? A watchman doesn't just warn, you know, because you must get this picture of a city with walls around it. But the watchman stands on the wall and says, there's an enemy coming. Lift up the gates. (laughs) Close the gates. The enemy is coming. But the one we actually miss is, when the king went out, the biggest thing was the, the watchman would stand on the walls and blow the trumpet and say, The king is coming back! The king is coming back! The king is coming back! No, that's not a trumpet, but in any case, something like that. But. The biggest job of the watchman was to tell the people in the city they need to prepare for the king that went out to war would come back and we must make ready the marriage of the supper marriage supper of the lamb is coming and so, so one of the greatest things that's missing and that's why we can see we have a cultural Christianity many times in the west is just that longing for the bridegroom to come back it was so funny I was standing next to this guy I won't mention his name some of you know him but I got married yesterday I, I always have this uh, you know this measurement because you you get these guys that are you you get guys that cry easily and and they they're very emotional and you get you get the criers you get i have little boxes for for the guys especially you know you get the criers you the emotional ones they have their hearts on their sleeve they cry easily and then then you get the stresses you know they stress and they try to hide it but you know the legs go like this when they're standing in front. They walk around the place. They try to fix everything. And you know, uh, I'm talking about that moment before the bride walks into this room. You know, and everybody's waiting for this moment. And and then then you get those that they just say like, "No, this this is cool. I'm in control. Yeah, I call him the controllers. Yesterday we had somebody like that. You know, but um, I said uh. <clears throat> Because I, I know, I know something is coming, you know, I, I know, you know, and I say, but you know, then I normally start to ask the question, do, do, you, do, do you cry easily? No, 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 I never cry. I say, oh, okay, um, you know, do you, do, you, do, you, do you have a, do you have a, like a, something that you can, you know, just for in case, just for in case, or maybe one of the bridesmaids will cry, or maybe your, your bride will cry when she comes in, yeah? no, 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 I, I you know. I don't need a hanky, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm in complete control, you know. Ha! When those doors opened up yesterday, the doors of heaven and of water, living waters gushed out of his eyes. She took one step. And I, <laughs> and I say... We have a crier. Bring, send, send it to the front. <laughs> you, you just know that moment, you know, when that when that lady walks in, you know, it's just like, you know, everything is just like, uh, <clears throat> and we all respond differently. But but it's so holy. It's so amazing. Yeah. Because does that not reflect, now I've got all the ladies' attention, all the guys are sitting like, oh, get, just move on, move on, you know? But, because um, even when they say I do's, the ladies is always like, oh, you know, till death do a spot. You know, she's been practicing her whole life. The guy just says like, yes, amen, yes. <laughs> yeah. But the crazy part is that... <clears throat> That that is going to be part of that moment in our lives when the bridegroom comes back. And the Bible says the bride is making herself ready. Every day, the bride is making herself ready. But see, this story was these two groups that in this time of slumbering, of discouragement, the ones were prepared and the others were not The ones that had an intimate life with God and the others didn't. The ones that had a lot of oil and extra and the others not. The others thought they could feed off the ones who had more oil. But sorry, you can't feed off me. You can't live your primary relationship with God out of the church or out of fellowship. You must get into the word yourself. Because Jesus says, sorry, the door is closed. I did not know you. And especially in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Especially in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to end off with a story, but just give me one moment. But intentional people, and it's not on the slide, so if those of you want to write down, write down the others, you'll miss it. Because you'll forget it by next week already. But if we come to church, we write stuff down, we go back, we are intentional. Because we are learners, we have a learner license on our life. So I want to learn. I'm not just sitting here and thinking about what can that short man tell me now or not, you know. Because I'm not the primary teacher yet, if you didn't know that the Holy Spirit is here. And if you pay attention, you will highlight a lot of things. You know, I've seen it so many times, if I just go through all the... Isles here and ask you what did you learn or what did you say or what did you know then it will be ten different sermons Because the way there's freedom for the Holy Spirit people will He will highlight something to you and maybe something to you something completely different that what I may be focused on And so Intentional people are disciplined people Not driven people, but they are disciplined disciplined to spend time with God You have a disciplined prayer life. You have a disciplined quiet time. You know, they have this story of this one guy who went to the queen and um, she came late. Maybe somebody can remember. Who was that? Was it John G. Lake? But he had an appointment for one o'clock with the queen of England. And she came very late. And in 15 minutes into the appointment, he stood up and he said, "Um, sorry, lady, I need to go. And everybody goes like, (laughs) oh. You don't say that. You don't do that with the queen. And they said, no, but every day I have an appointment with the king of kings. And I will not miss it for anything. Hello. How's your appointment? How's your schedule? The second thing that intentional people does, they have the fear of God. They have the fear of God. We don't fear people. We don't look to the opinion of people, we fear God. Why? Because we want to please Him. The third thing that intentional and urgent people live by is simplicity and contentment. We don't get distracted, we don't fill our lives with a lot of stuff, just simple people. If you go to Angus, they on the farm, he still lives in the old little Pondoki. With no ceiling so that you can hear the rainfall on the roof. So I just laugh at people that always accuse somebody like him of, oh, he's got all this money, you know. The biggest fight he's ever had with his trustees was the fact that he didn't want to trade in his old condor for a secondhand Fortuner. He says, this thing works. It's not a Land Rover. It's a Toyota. But in any case, that's a completely different thing, you know. He didn't say that I'm just teasing all the Land Rover people. But contentment with godliness is great gain, Scripture says. We live, we, we live because we know we have enough. God is our sufficiency. We live because we have prioritized relationships above events or breakthroughs or the next big thing. It's always funny to me when people come to me in the church and say, no, Pastor, my season in the church is over. I think like, "Whoa." Well, the other day, oh, no, the church is growing too big here, you know. I, I, I need to leave the church. I said, what are you going to say to the Lord when you get to heaven, when you sing holy, holy, holy for a million years? Oh, Lord, we sang that too much. Oh, there's too many people. There's a couple of billion people here in heaven, you know. I'm, I'm offended, God, that, this, that I'm not too special in heaven. Sorry, there will be no attention on you and me. My name will not be there. Vainant, your name will not be there. (laughs) Uh? Elsebi, your name will not be mentioned in heaven. Uh? John, Vaini, your your name is not going to be there. Sorry. It's only one name. And all the attention, all the focus will be on him. So let's start practicing now. No, no, but your services are too long, you know. Two hours. Wow. But you spent four hours on your mountain bike yesterday. Oh, a, oh I, I, amen. <laughs> no, but I, but I planned three months for my December holidays. When last did you plan something that you need to be obedient to towards God? Hello? Hello? <laughs> intentional people live in simplicity, so intentional people live with accountability. We live a countable life in the light. Because when you realize you need other people. There's one guy who said, I actually, we need to make some decisions and I'm just bouncing a lot of stuff off of a lot of people. And, and so there's one guy who just wrote me an email and I asked him to pray about it in this morning early, just before the service. Now I had to like, really like... You know, he says, No, these two suggestions that you made, not one of them will work because you know you're not good at conflict, and I know you're not gonna like this what I'm saying to you right now because of this, 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 this in your life. I read the email just before I came to church, and now I have to pray in the spirit and say, Lord, forgive him. Oh no, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because I'm thinking like, what? What dare you? And I think like but I asked him, <laughs> you know, because accountability is not nice. <laughs> it's nice to just go into church, go back out of church, have a nice meeting, and you're just living your life on your own. Until you begin to live within the community of God, and you allow people to speak into your weaknesses. To say, hey, that thing, ooh, something ugly came out there this week. Can we talk about it? How's it going? Placed. How's it going with that thing in your life? (laughs) Not so blessed, yeah? Intentional and urgent people live with purpose and obedience because obedience becomes our highest form of worship. To do His will. To glorify His name. We don't just go through the motions and... And your obedience may look very natural. Your obedience may look like, you. I need to just take care of that little young one in my house and it's taking so much effort, so much stuff, so much energy, so much prayer. Because obedience is, I'm seeking your kingdom first. Lord, your will, not my will. And so, one of the things I want to challenge you with as the band is starting to come up is to, to just make a list. Write one column urgent. have an urgency. No, I'm not talking about crisis. Because if you're going to respond to crisis in your life, you're always going to live reactionary. And people with good boundaries that's the last one of intentional people we have good boundaries in our lives. We live with good boundaries respectful, but we don't just allow other people even to come and take God's time because we're stewards of time. We've lived, we live intentionally. We live with the focus. You know, in, in next week we're going up to Malawi and we meeting with him, Stephen. And I just love it when people are 80 years old. It's his 80th birthday. So I said to him, when he's when 80, I'm going to come and visit you. You know, and, and um, normally when he comes here, he gives, I give him a lot of work to do. And so he just sent me one text message. Revenge. <laughs> so hopefully you'll have a pastor after that 10 days of preaching. Like, he sent me like a list of everything we're going to do. 5 a.m. prayer meeting, 7 a.m. open air, 9 a.m. open air. It's like seven times, you know, if I ever thought I worked hard, now we're going to work hard, yeah. But it's, it's, it's so amazing when you're in your relationships you are intentional. When somebody goes through a bad time, you be, better be there. Because loyalty is important. You live by values. You don't live by the next reaction. You don't live by the next, oh, there's another breakthrough over there. It looks nicer over there, so I'm just going to go. Because faithfulness, values are important to you. you. You live intentionally. If God told you to do that thing, you do it until he tells you. God told you to stay in this church, then stay in this church until he gives you a word to leave. You don't leave because, or, or if he tells you, me in another church, then stay there. Don't come here because the worship is nice. Serve. Live the kingdom of God. That work, are you praying for that work? Are you praying over the unsaved people around you? Because they won't come here. You need to take the gospel to them. You need to be the light there. That's the purpose of the oil in the lamp and the light. It's not for you to have a great time here. It's for the whole world to see. It's for everyone to see that the bridegroom is coming. It's not for you to smell the fragrant oil because this is special oil out of Jerusalem. Yeah? And let's do oil oil dances and deep spiritual dances because we've got oil in our lamps. The lamp must burn so that the world out there can see We are preparing for the bridegroom to come. You're intentional about relationships around you to pray for people that don't know the Lord or are going through tough times. So I encourage you, get, get five names or six names, write it down. Put it in your wallet, save it on your phone, those names, and just every day, three minutes, pray for them. Say, Lord, I pray. I pray that this person will meet you. I pray that they will connect with you. I pray that they will turn back to you. Because there's no chance with God. And this is my last story. Sorry that you interrupt me all the time. I forgive you. Let's get to the story. <laughs> okay. But so there's one guy. We Four months ago, five months ago, I told him. Just sense him my heart. We need to go climb a mountain and we need to pray something over you because we need to break it over your life. So I've been bugging him all the time. He's not here this morning. So I think there's only two people that will know who I'm talking about. So this week I decided, okay, here we go. T- tell him before certain things happen, we're going to pray and we're going we're to speak. We can just make a declaration over your life to break the curse of the past, to break stuff because we're intentional about pursuing God and even leaving something, a legacy for the Generations to come. So I took an hour out and wrote this declaration, and so we climbed the mountain. Two days before it, I had a dream. I dreamt of this eagle being, you know, that was sitting on the ground that went into this um, little bush area, and there was like a, a, a trap with bait, with meat that was for some or other animal running around, uh, that, a jackal or something that had to go. And so this eagle, that was walking around on the ground, got trapped, tried to eat this meat, and got trapped. So the trap wasn't put out for the eagle. The trap was put out for, for another animal in this bush. So as we're walking up the mountain, I'm just sharing with this guy, say, I don't know if it's really for you, but I'm just going to be obedient. I, I just need to share this story because I... There was this thing that happened and this eagle was set free. So here we go and we make this declaration. We're speaking it out and all that stuff. And so we go down from the mountain and we go just sit there at this dam area. But as we're standing there, I say, Lord, if this is your will, then if this was from you, then just give us a sign. But I'm just praying it. I'm not saying anything to this guy. And so as we're sitting there, here comes this massive eagle. And we're sitting at the (laughs) dam. This eagle comes to sit right across us, sips the water, probably for three or four minutes, actually sees us, then flies up, comes to circle right over our heads three times, goes out again, comes back again, and and just flies over us. And this guy just begins to weep. And there goes the eagle. Now what's the chance? By the way, eagles don't drink from dams necessarily and especially not if there's movement they solitary birds up there and i'm thinking lord a sign in a wonder nothing is by chance if you live intentionally with your relationships if you are prayerful and you're focused on the things that matter to god and that's why scripture says even when you go to the altar and you find somebody else has got something against you, go and forgive. Go and make right in your relationships. Because we're intentional. We don't want to say, oh, I, I've got regrets, sorry. Maybe later. Procrastination. So with that list that you're making about urgent, intentional, there's some relationships we need to get to. Once a year I fly up to them, Angus. Once a year I see him, Stephen, because I see them as spiritual grandfathers. And I make effort, I put money out, it costs a fortune, personally, but I realize I need to get input from other people that's run the race, that can say it straight. Got accountability relationships with other pastors. There's eight or nine pastors of us here in the town that meet regularly and spent two days together a couple of weeks ago. Other chauffeur pastors people into my marriage, people around me. I'm intentional about those relationships. We're not just floating in and floating out. I'm saying, God, what, what are you saying? When I meet up with coffee, I pray about that coffee. I say, God, is there something you want to say to this person? Is there something I must serve them with? You see, we, we, we cannot get distracted, people. Our lamps need to be full. More than that with God, will you stand with me this morning? So this morning is not, a, is not a condemnation, but an invitation. And I know there's some of us that are going through tough times, and there's some of us that have got great regrets. Some of us that think like, "Yo, I've wasted so much, I've made so many big, bad decisions in my life. But that's good news for you. I've got good news for you god is intentional about his relationship with you and me more than we are intentional with him he is faithful even when you are unfaithful he's a god full of grace and mercy and loving kindness god is committed to a relationship with us and the cross talks about it the cross echoes that but you know what happens is we, we get offended, we we fall asleep, we get discouraged, the cares of this world. The Bible says, even when the seed comes, only 25% of that seed produces fruit. The other twenty five percent is the cares of the world, the birds of the air, things of riches, lots of stuff. Go read this the seed in the ground. I'm saying to God, God, I want my heart to be good ground for your word. When I come to church, I'm intentional. i would say, what what do you want to say? When I go out here, I don't just rush off with my life. I say, Lord, what do you want me to be be obedient to? Otherwise, I'm just a hearer of the word. I'm not a doer. What are you saying to me? I go read through the scriptures again. Yeah, but you know, Sias isn't a teacher, you know. You don't get excited about the word of God, then you've got to problem because it's not about the person delivering the message, it's about our hearts to grow together because God will do nothing in your life if he doesn't do it through the relationships he's placed around you come on there's no individual my father prays, we pray it's our father, our father Our Father, our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us, us today, our daily bread. Forgive him, (laughs) because he's got so much sin. Forgive us. that's why in this church we don't sing me and my and I we change the words if you've not noticed that because cultural Christianity says it's all about you it's about my experience with the Lord but biblical Christianity says it's about a community serving God even scripture was read in community and so God invites us to so much more he invites us to be those virgins that lamps are full And even when it's at the end of the year and it's tough and you're thinking about your holiday, that's when God wants to speak. Don't switch off the Lord during the holiday. Don't switch off the Lord. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.